Blog Talk Radio. lined up this upcoming weekend. Eight unbeaten teams remain. And I start with the team that you probably don't know much about, but could be busting brackets in March. It is the University of Arkansas Little Rock, which has started 9-0 and and has wins over San Diego State, Tulsa, two teams that I have in the tournament this year, as well as a 22-point win at DePaul. And I know you can say, well, what the heck, DePaul. I mean, that's a DePaul team that, look, is not very good. At the same time, at the same time, you have to recognize the fact that they went to McGrath-Phillips Arena. They went to DePaul's campus on Saturday night. I watched the game, took it in, and was very impressed with a 22-point drubbing over a Big East team, and I give Arkansas Little Rock credit for that and credit for wins over Steve Fisher and the Aztecs, as well as Tulsa. This is a team that could be busting brackets open. But they're not the only one that's creating havoc in college basketball, and we're going to be welcoming on Wichita State columnist Paul Solentrop, who knows all too well about the Shockers and what they've done and what they used to do uh, and what they still do. And can they do it this year? Uh, we'll see. But they know how to wreck havoc on brackets. Now they're much more known, but we know they know how to do it out of the Valley. And we'll get to the Missouri Valley later in the show. Not only Arkansas Little Rock, but the Monmouth Hawks, folks. They are the story and the kings of the college basketball universe right now. Not just known for their bench mobs. It's time to buy stock into the Hawks and the possibilities of being an at-large team. I know they're out of the mid, uh, Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference. I understand that conference. Look, it's a, notoriously the champion of that league gets into the tournament. At the same time, Monmouth has wins over UCLA, Notre Dame, 
and now after last night at Georgetown. Impressive. On top of USC as well. You go to Georgetown and win, and win convincingly. A double-digit win for the Hawks. They are playing outstanding basketball right now. What a cool story the Monmouth Hawks have put together and head coach King Rice. And I'm buying into them. And I could say that if they have a, a, a pretty strong, which I could see them having three or four losses in the MAC. If they have three or four losses in the MAC and, and find a way to get to the uh, tournament title game, which won't be easy, but if they could get to the MAC championship game, I think there's a strong chance that this team doesn't have to win that tournament title game to get into the field of 68. It's for another conversation down the road. But you've got two teams here in Little Rock, in Mammoth, that are displaying the parity in college basketball this year. I mean, Mammoth went to Georgetown and won 83-68. to I don't care how good Mammoth is. Georgetown lost by 15 at home. 15 at home to the Mammoth Hawks, who are now 7-3. and Jalon Hornbeek, he had 18 points, 15 of 16 from the free throw line. Micah Seaborn, Deion Jones, Colin Stewart, Justin Robinson. Wow. They had five players with at least 12 points last night. They shot 50% from beyond the three-point arc. Very impressive. Very impressive for the Hawks, and their bench mob is, well, it's in a historic category. Now we go out to Kansas. Uh, for an interview I've been looking forward to all week, we go out to Wichita. He is the beat reporter for the Shockers, and he'll be at the Prudential Center on Saturday afternoon when Seton Hall takes on Wichita State in a crucial non-conference affair for both. I talked about a big non-conference weekend, a ton of basketball happening in the metro area. Seton Hall-Wichita State, probably the most underrated game out of all the games and one that uh, will be exciting. Paul Sullentrop. He's the man. He reports on the Shockers for the Wichita Eagle. Paul, thanks for making some time. How are you out there? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. Love your work and uh, really happy to have you on. Uh, Taking a look at the Shockers, uh, a bit of an unorthodox start. Four losses. They lose Fred Van Vliet to injury. How do you think Coach Greg Marshall and this roster have handled the adversity? Well, early, I guess they didn't handle it well. Uh, you know, they Fred got hurt uh, early in the season. He played at Tulsa, but was, wasn't at 100%. They lost that game. And then he did not play down in Florida, uh, where they played, lost three games, played in the Advocare Invitational, and Monmouth was one of those teams that was down there and didn't react well. You know, some guys that they thought probably should have stepped up when in Fred's absence uh, did not play very well. And they had uh, two other significant injuries also. A freshman guard, Landry Shamet, uh, didn't play at all down in Florida. And then their center, Anton Grady, uh, got hurt late in the second game, a uh, loss to Alabama. So uh, while they have Fred back, they're still missing uh, Landry Shamet and Anton Grady, two guys who would play a lot for them. Paul Sullentrop is our guest from the Wichita Eagle, covers the Shockers and much, much more around the area in the world of sports. Paul, I look at this Wichita State team and coming into the season, and injuries happen, but a lot of hype surrounded Mr. Van Vliet, Mr. Baker, 
You could be all Americans, still still can be. Uh, but you look at this group, and now with four losses heading into this game against Seton Hall, not the ideal situation that they want to be in, but here in New Jersey, people are saying, well, this is Seton Hall's big chance to get a signature win. They look at the Shockers as that kind of test. I think it, it certainly needs to be brought up. Wichita State, they need to win this game, Paul. Correct? They need this one. I think so. Yeah, it certainly would be helpful. You know, it would be what would appear to be a, you know, a pretty good road win. Um, now, I think that they they helped themselves this week by beating UNLV and by beating Utah. So, you know, if you're talking about is there a way to, you know, get an at-large spot if they need it, uh, you know, I think there definitely is now. I think they could still get one even if they were happen to lose to Seton Hall. You know, that just puts maybe takes away a game they maybe could lose in uh, in January and February. Uh, but certainly it would really help, I think, if they were to beat UNLV, beat Utah, and then win at Seton Hall. I think that would be a pretty good bounce back from, you know, from how badly they played in November. Paul, what exactly is it that Fred Van Vliet does in your mind that makes this program, this year's team, such a different entity? Well, he does, you know, I guess, everything for this team. And I think, you know, I, we all knew that Fred was really valuable. I'm not sure we knew he was as valuable as he turned out to be because without him, uh, you know, in Florida, they really look lost at times. Now, they were playing good teams. They lost to Southern California. They lost to Alabama. They lost to Iowa. Uh, but they didn't look uh, – although two of those games were close, uh, still I think it was disappointing the way they looked, even without Fred. But when he came back, uh, you know, he just gives them so much as far as, you know, what he does as far as controlling the tempo, uh, what he can do scoring, what he can do defensively. And then he just – has this sense of calm and confidence, I think, that he gives to everybody uh, and uh, gets everybody organized offensively and defensively. So he is, uh, you know, he extremely valuable for reasons that are easy to see and, and some that aren't. Paul Solentrop from the Wichita Eagle is our guest. Paul, Seton Hall has a stellar sophomore backcourt in Isaiah Whitehead and Kadeen Carrington. It does not match the talents that are Van Vliet and Baker, and when they're on, not many can stop them. Down low, the Pirates have the reigning Big East Rookie of the Year and the leader in the conference in rebounding in Angel Delgado. I look at Wichita State and losing Grady. That certainly could be crucial. What's the difference maker to you in this game? Well, Wichita State goes with a three, three-player rotation now with Grady out at the, uh, yeah. at the center position. Uh, Seth Shaq Morris is a sophomore. He will start. Uh, then they bring a senior, Bush Wamakota, who is a pretty good defender. They bring him off the bench, and they also bring a sophomore, Rado Nerger, who is going to redshirt. Uh, they bring him off the bench also, and he's more an offensive player at this point in his career. So they kind of mix and match, uh, you know, see who is playing well, see who the matchups are. Shaq Morris is the most talented of the three uh, but kind of struggles to play more than two or three minutes before he really needs a break. So uh, keeping Shaq out of foul trouble would be important, but, uh, you know, regardless, you're probably going to see all three of those guys in an attempt to, to match up with Seton Hall's big men. Do you feel like that's where this game, uh, that's really the difference maker in this game? If, maybe if Seton Hall's to have a, a chance, they got to take advantage down low because they, Look, Van Vliet, Baker, I mean, if Whitehead and Carrington play their best game, at the very least, they're, they're going to be able to just kind of halfway cancel those two players out in my mind. Where do you think this game gets decided? 
Well, yeah, Seton Hall may have an advantage there, uh, but to the credit of, uh, of Wichita State's three big men, you know, they faced two pretty good centers uh, last week. You know, UNLV had yeah. Steven Zimmerman, who was a, you know, I think maybe a top ten recruit, a top fifteen recruit, um, being talked about as an NBA draft pick. And Wichita State did really well against him. And then Utah has a sophomore, Jakob Pertle, who is also being talked about as a, you know, maybe as a lottery pick, certainly as a first round NBA draft guy. And Wichita State held him to I think ten or eleven points. He only took five shots. Just eleven. So yeah. yeah, eleven points. So they've done a pretty good job against two pretty good centers the last week. Uh, you know, really focusing on defense and denying them the ball. Um, so you know, I, I think Delgado is a really nice player. I was impressed with him last year. Uh, but Wichita State has done a pretty good job defensively on a couple of, of, of what we think are high-level centers in the last two games. Paul, because I've never had anyone on to really talk about the Shockers exclusively, and I'm really happy to have you on. Paul Solentrup from uh, the Wichita Eagle covers the Shockers day in, day out. And, Paul, explain to me, because the people back here at the hall, when I talk to them, say, that is as crazy of an atmosphere as we've played in. And they've played the Pavilion for Villanova. They've played out in Omaha for Creighton, where they put put up 19,000 people. Just to explain to the people listening to this show, how good of an atmosphere, how good of a hoops area you've got over there. Yeah, it really is the big thing to do uh, as far as Wichita State and the, and the city of Wichita. Um, you know, and they, Shocker basketball kind of took off uh, back in the 50s as a member of the Missouri Valley Conference, which was a great basketball conference back then. And they really hit a stride in the uh, in the 60s. They went to the Final Four in 65 and were you know nationally ranked various times during the early 60s. Um, and you know from that time on, uh, it's been a really big deal in in Wichita. Some ups and downs. Uh, really good in the 80s. Uh, really bad in the 90s. Uh, but starting with Mark Turgeon when he took over the program back in I think 2000. Uh, you know, it's been on the upswing, and Mark took him to the Sweet 16 in uh, in 2006. Uh, played Seton Hall in that NCAA tournament, as a matter of fact. And then Great. Greg Marshall came in two years later and has really ratcheted it up to even a you know another level. And it is, you know, the by far the biggest story in town. Um, uh, everybody, we've got a lot of you know a lot of Kansas fans, a lot of Kansas State fans. We're not far from Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. So you get fans of all those schools, but, you know, when the Shockers are doing these kind of things, that's one thing that a lot of people can agree on. Maybe they're, you know, maybe they go to K-State for football games, but when it's basketball season, a lot of, you know, most people are really locked in on the Shockers. And you're right, uh, they put in 10,500 every night mm. in their arena, uh, and it's, uh, it's, a, it's a basketball school and a basketball city. Paul, when I say Greg Marshall, what comes to mind? Well, he's really intense. I think that would be the first thing. It's you know amazing that you know the kind of just energy and intensity that he brings every day to practice and you know to get get what he does out of the players. Uh, you know, I guess being uh, I mean loyalty or stability would be two two words that would come to mind. He was at Winthrop for nine seasons, eight or nine seasons before he came to Wichita State. And then as soon as he began to have some success at Wichita State after his, you know, second or third season, you know, it became a, a yearly routine that Gray Marshall was going to move on and take a 
a, a more high-profile job, and so far he hasn't. He's stuck it out at Wichita State. Uh, Wichita State has really stepped up and you know made it a, a, a great college basketball job, paying well. You know all the amenities as far as travel and budget and facilities and all those kind of things. Uh, but certainly he, he's had opportunities to move on and he hasn't. And you know that's kind of been his now his his mo. He. You know, he's made made these two programs, Winthrop and Wichita State. He's seen things in them that that no other coach really has. Now you give him a lot of credit for what he has done for the Shockers. Paul Stolen Trump is our guest from the Wichita Eagle. And Paul, since you're out in that area, I I guess well one more question about the Shockers, and we'll turn to a little bit outside of the Shockers. Uh, in your mind, how far can this team go? And if you have them going very, very far, what is the key for them to do just that? Well, I think Anton Grady coming back, and we think he's going to come back. He had a spinal concussion that he suffered in the Alabama game, and he's, uh, you know, doing, I guess, a little bit of light practicing now, trying to go through the, the concussion protocol steps and, you know, do his recovery and his rehab to get back. Uh, nobody seems to be sure what the timeline is, but he's set on – several occasions that he does want to play again. And I think they really need him at some point. Uh, you know, that would be really helpful. He would give them an inside scoring threat that they really don't have. Shaq Morris can score, but I don't think he's at this point in his career quite as, as polished or as dangerous as, as Anton is. And certainly, you know, that could be one of the deciding factors is this team that's good enough to get out of the first weekend or not, you know, having a healthy Anton Grady, was able to give them, you know, 12 to 14 points and seven rebounds in the NCAA tournament. That could really be important. Uh, getting Landry Shamit back could be really important also. I, you know, I'm not sure uh, what kind of role he would take when he comes back, but he was a he was a good enough player that he could have been very helpful too. Paul Sullentrop is our guest from the Wichita Eagle. Paul. What you know about them, what you can say, how good do you think Kansas uh, really is? Where would you assess them? You know, I've not seen a whole lot of them play um, from the bits and pieces that I've seen and, you know, and what you generally know about Kansas. I would think they're, you know, like most years, they're going to be a threat to, to get to the Final Four. Um, I know they have you know, some really talented freshmen. Uh, Diallo, who's, they got eligible a couple weeks ago. Uh, a lot of guys back from last year, they seem to have a, a pretty good blend, you know, of guys who have been around for two, three, four years, a senior like Perry Ellis, uh, Frank Mason, Wayne Selden. So maybe they have some of that experience that they didn't have last year, uh, plus, in, you know, some of the typical, you know, real high-level Kansas talent. So, yeah. you know, I don't, don't, the, the outlook doesn't change much for Kansas from year to year. They're generally, you know, going to be playing on the second weekend, generally going to be a final four threat. Come on, when are we getting Kansas and Wichita State? Bill Self will sign to that. That is, of course, a, a big topic, and it heats up whenever the Wichita State is playing as well as they are. Uh, you know, I think Wichita State obviously would would enjoy that. Uh, Kansas doesn't seem to have any interest at all. Uh, they're not going to. They're not going to play a home game, or they're not going to give up a home game, or they're not going to come to Wichita to play. Wichita State's not going to play, you know, without getting some kind of return. So. With that, is this a bad you, question? Gotta, could they play at a neutral site? I mean, could they play somewhere else? Is that a, a any any uh, ideas? You know, I think that's 
yeah, uh, you know, that's been proposed too, I think. I'm sure, you know, you could play in Kansas City. Uh, I think Wichita State has proposed you know, playing one game in Allen Fieldhouse, playing one game in Kansas City, and playing one game in Wichita. Uh, you know, I, I think Wichita State, I'm sure they would do anything that, you know, was anywhere close to being equitable, something where he was either neutral or um, or something being going on here in Wichita. And Kansas just doesn't doesn't seem interested. Paul Solentrap, our guest from the Wichita Eagle. Paul, you have been great. I'm guessing when was the last time you were in uh, in New Jersey? Last time I was in New Jersey, I saw Bruce Springsteen, and uh, was it 2009? Whenever the last run of shows at Giant Stadium. Uh, How about I think that? that? Was- 2009, 2010, something like that. I flew out there. I have a friend who lives in Boston, and we came and uh, and went to the first show, first show of the last run at Giant Stadium. That was that was pretty cool to see Springsteen back in his home home territory. That was something I always wanted to do. And then I guess I was in New York for the NIT in 2011 when Wichita State won the won the NIT. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I have not spent very much time in that part of the country, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Well, looking forward to uh, seeing you and looking forward to talking to you on Saturday. I'll uh, make sure you – how do you like your coffee? Uh, you know, black with some uh, I guess French vanilla, whatever the there you go. creamer is. I like that. <laughs> we'll have we'll have some Jersey coffee uh, sent your way. Thanks a lot, Paul. Excellent. You bet. Thank you. Paul Solentrop. Thanks a lot. Paul Solentrop from the Wichita Eagle. He was a great guest. Great to have him on. The Shockers come in at 5-4. and four. And uh, Kevin Willard said after the Pirates route over St. Peter's on Sunday, he said, listen, this team is – you cannot compare this team with Van Vliet, without Van Vliet. It's not fair. And he said, this team is nothing like – nothing like they were without Van Vliet as opposed to where they are right now. With Van Vliet only averaging about seven turnovers per game without the kid, they're up to about 13, 14. They, they hang on to the ball with him, and they know how to turn you over on the other end. And this backcourt of Whitehead and Carrington, it's their chance to make a statement to the country, make a statement for Seton Hall. It puts the Pirates on the map in the national conversation it's Saturday at 12 o'clock. A lot of other matchups going on. Saturday at noon, Utah and Duke. I like the Blue Devils in this one. I, I struggle to see what Utah does with Grayson Allen. And then Duke is doing a, a pretty solid job. They've done a better job of attacking the rim a little bit. I felt like against Kentucky, they didn't do that in that early season loss. And as a result, uh, you saw them fall. The, the Blue Devils and Allen's rise to success is, is outstanding. This team with him leading the way could do some big things in the NCAA tournament. Am I sold on them? No. Do I see them doing big things right now? If I were to make a big prediction, I would probably say no. But I think that they beat Utah this Saturday, and they have the potential to do it. Says once again, it's Duke. Villanova takes on Virginia. Will the Wildcats rise to the occasion after a rough loss to Oklahoma? That's a big question. Last week, Villanova, they got routed by Oklahoma. They got run out of the gym in the Pearl Harbor Invitational. Oklahoma is a national title contender. And I think that Oklahoma is good enough to win the Big 12. I picked them. I love Buddy Hill. Ryan Spangler is one of the best players in the country that really not many people know about. 
Uh, and then Isaiah Cousins is also fantastic. The Sooners are for real. They defend well. They're experienced. Heald and Spangler, saw them two years ago at the Barclays Center in Coaches versus Cancer. I thought those guys were juniors or seniors then. Now, now they're the seniors. And the leadership of that Oklahoma program, it's excellent. And Lon Kruger's doing an incredible job for the Sooners. Now Villanova takes on Virginia. What will the Cavaliers do with their zone against the Villanova team? That How do you beat the zone? You hit the three. Fascinating matchup because the Wildcats, they can hit the three. They shoot at a high-volume rate, and they haven't hit much this season. Got a feeling like that changes on Saturday. Purdue and Butler. Now, Butler is averaging over 91 points per game. Over 91 per game. Talon Dunham is averaging over 19 points per game, and it's just fantastic at six foot six. But he's got this six foot three element to him where he plays like a guard. Yet he goes inside and attacks because he is six foot six. And Roosevelt Jones is listed as six foot four. The kid plays like he's six foot seven, even six foot eight. Yeah, I said it. Roosevelt Jones is a semi truck. How do you stop him? I don't know. Purdue, Butler, great matchup. But what will the Bulldogs do to contain A.J. Hammond? Big-time matchup in Indianapolis that will have all of Indiana watching. That's that classic they play uh, out there in Indianapolis every year. And that's a neutral site. It's going to be a great – I think Conseco Fieldhouse, if I'm correct. That is one of the best classics every year when those teams tangle. Indiana uh, is rich, rich with some college hoops. Couple minutes left to go on the show. I look at the poll on Monday. Gander at it. MSU, Michigan State belongs at the top. They are number one, and for good reason. Denzel Valentine is a freak. I mean, I don't even know what to say at times with that kid, what he's doing. And the Big Ten is down this year. Yeah, I said it. It's down. Ohio State is not good this year. Indiana is not good defensively this year, and Tom Crean, his job security is getting thin. Maryland's for real, and Michigan State and Maryland, for all we know, could meet for a national championship, and I hope that they are in opposing regions. I hope that somehow they don't get paired up before the Final Four. I would love to see those two teams square off. And can't wait already for that matchup. Maryland, I know that they are outside the top five, but I love the Terps. The Terps with the best true point guard in college basketball, Mellow Trimble, and the size that they have, they've got Jake Lehman and Diamond Stone. Then they say, you guys sit down. Let's bring in Robert Carter, who's just as big. This team is stacked with size, and they've got an elite point guard in Rashid Suleiman. Trimble and Suleiman, whew, are you kidding I'm really bought into them, and I will stay with them. I do think it's, it's imperative that Jake Lehman continues to get better. You know, he, he's a National Player of the Year candidate going into the season. At least people, people thought that he could be. Really. I don't believe that, but, but he was. He's got to play like that consistently for them to be good. Iowa and Iowa State. You saw this over the weekend. Iowa State comes back from 20 down couple of, of – and the fans storm the court. A reporter breaks his leg. Oh, boy. This is bad. It's bad. It's not good for anybody. It's like that sign, Kenny Rogers chicken across the way. And if you remember, the, the, the common phrase throughout the show is the Kenny Rogers chicken sign. And Kenny Rogers chicken closes. Kramer loves the chicken. The sign is glaring in Kramer's room. Well, folks, 
the common line throughout it is that's not going to be good for business. That's not going to be good for anybody. Well, look, the, the, the court storming and the reporter breaking, so that's not good for anybody. Do I think the court storming should be done away with? No. Sorry for the hot take, but no. It's one of the best things in college sports, one of the best things in sports. If you're going to go and knock all that, just come on. Have some fun. The reporter did break his leg, apparently. But at the same time, those kids <laughs> – look, in the future, once again – Court storming doesn't hurt people. Court storming is not the reason behind this. I'm a believer in court storming. I like it for the game. I don't think it's ruining the sport or ruining the moment. And if you're an athlete, you have to love that as well. we got 60 seconds left to go on the show. Busy weekend, very busy weekend in this area. Like I said, Utah Duke, CBS Sports Classic with Ohio State meeting Kentucky. That's a route. All Wildcats all the way. Fab Modest team is down. UCLA meets Michigan State. Grab your popcorn because the Bruins will make it interesting. Tony Parker's playing at a high level inside. Mr. Valentine, I love you, but watch out on Saturday. UCLA's playing at a high level. You go to Gonzaga and get a win, I start to respect you. I will take Michigan State in that game. Bruins, respecting you. You can win the big, uh, excuse me, the Pac-12. Arizona's down and had some injuries. We shall see. I'll be uh, at the Prudential Center Saturday, 12 o'clock for Seton Hall in Wichita State. Can the Pirates rise to the occasion? Can six-year head coach Kevin Willard get a statement win on national TV against Greg Marshall and the Shockers? We can only wait. Tweet at me at John underscore Fanta at NCAA Hoops Digest. Thanks to the Wichita Eagles, Paul Sullentrop, for coming on the show. Paul, I'll have that coffee, that French vanilla ready for you Saturday morning at the Prudential Center. Good night, everybody. That's it for Late Night Hoops.